This episode of That's What G Said podcast is brought to you by CindyCarava.com, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Visit CindyCarava.com for all of your real estate needs. And by SarahCandles.com, use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase. Visit SarahCandles.com if you like small businesses and you like supporting them. Give them a, a look. Hey, you, you do like them because you're supporting That's What G Said podcast. And on this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about the MLB cheating scandal with the sign stealing. It's now expanded, and a couple more teams are uh, under investigation and likely to be punished. Then we'll break down the NFL divisional round games. We'll give you some plays for Santa Anita, Saturday, January the 11th. Just a couple plays there. And then we're going to go through some of your tweets and uh, Facebook messages with your plays for the weekend. Sit back and enjoy this episode of that's what G said. Happy Friday to you, January the 10th here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Probably won't be a, as long of a normal episode. We're going to get to a couple different things, though. Talk a little baseball, a little uh, football, preview some of the games, let you know how we uh, lean on the, the games this weekend, and then we'll have some horse racing, and we'll get to some of your, uh, your posts with your plays for the weekend as well. So I'm going to be reading through an article that uh, was on The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich. And we have talked about how the Astros are under investigation for sign stealing over the last couple of years where it's been, you know, using the video equipment, all sorts of executives. There were signs banging on trash cans, um, all sorts of weird stuff. And now this has expanded to the Red Sox. So I'm kind of re- I'll read through this article and kind of react to a lot of it. This is all now for the Red Sox about the video replay room. Uh, the rooms that were introduced when baseball started the replay in 2014, um, the, were, they became an easy place to learn a key piece of information, the sign sequence used by opposing pitchers and catchers. Before 2018, um, there were years of barely enforcing broad rules regarding replay rooms. Uh, Replay rooms cannot be used to help seal signs. But the clarified rules in combination with the fines and the the league levied on the Red Sox and the Yankees and warnings it issued in 2017, uh, they were intended to end any any weird stuff happening in the replay room. But uh, potentially, in 2018... When the Red Sox won the World Series and won 108 games, three people who were with the Red Sox said that some players visited the replay room during games to learn the sign sequence that opponents were using. Uh, Red Sox sources 
said the system did not appear to be effective or viable during the 2018 postseason when the Red Sox went on to win the World Series. Opponents were leery enough of sign stealing. Teams were constantly changing the sign sequence. MLB then instituted in-person monitors, so they had um, people in the replay rooms starting in the playoffs for the entire regular season. But, you know, as this article goes on, a lot of this just depends on who those monitors are, right? If It's like a, you get, you, a, the, the teacher that's watching you or the cop if you do something wrong like and they like they let you get away with it or not it just depends on you know what kind of a, a person they are what kind of a day they're having right because that's what it said it's some of these you know monitors were not well trained they didn't really care they were kind of back and forth and then others seemed like they had an agenda and they would you know be looking for things so I'm not. I'm. I'm personally have not. Like sign stealing is a is always been a part of baseball, but it's it's weird now. I mean, we're in more of a technology age, so now we're everything advances. But it's just weird when you're using cameras, you're having people relaying stuff that aren't the the you know someone on second base or someone on the base path picking up the signs. That's that's fine. It's just it's weird when you're you're taking that next step and there's other people that are not a part of the team that are helping to get you that information during the game. It doesn't even matter after the game, right? It's it's about the during the game part. Um, let's get back to this article a little bit. Um, it's cheating one person who was with the 2018 uh, Red Sox. If you're using a camera to zoom in on the crotch of a catcher to break down the science system and then take this information and give it out to the runner, then he doesn't have to steal it. Red Sox declined to comment at the time of the publication. Instead, the following statement Tuesday afternoon was made. We were recently made aware of allegations suggesting an appropriate use of our video replay room. Commissioner made it clear in a September 27th, uh, a September 2017 memorandum to clubs that the replay room to dug out uh, the re- uh, this is just talking more about like that 2017 ruling where he bit the baseball basically said we're going to crack down um, replay room to dug out to base runner to hitter is less direct it's less egregious than banging on a garbage can the method that the Astros used at home in 2017 the Astros system was triggered by a center field camera and a video screen positioned near the dugout no one was playing uh, on the playing field was involved in stealing the sign so you know I don't know where you stand on this obviously as a, uh, a Dodger fan it's frustrating to see the two teams that beat them in the World Series now the Do- I'm not I'm not gonna make any excuses or anything. You just, it's, and I don't think it's just now the Red Sox and the Astros, the Yankees have gotten in trouble, and these teams have all mentioned that they know that they're not the only ones doing this kind of thing. And I guess it would just leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth if I found out the Dodgers were doing something like this. I don't, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but I just, I guess I'm I'm a romantic when it comes to, to sports, um, you know. So Alex Cora is a constant between the two. He was, you know, a, a coach for the Astros, and apparently he played a key role in devising the sign stealing system the Astros used in 2017. This is a quote from uh, that article when he was on the team when he was the team's bench coach. Uh, the issue extends beyond individual teams, encompassing the league's enforcement and upkeep of its own rules. Many inside the sport believe there is cheating, and then there is cheating, cheating, and this kind of falls more under the the the, the latter, the cheating, cheating.
I think we're going to see some big penalties apparently coming up because there have been a couple of warnings over the last few years. I think that's that's the difference. It's not like everyone says, oh, this has been going on for a long time. Yes, but when they're trying to change the rules and they're giving you warnings and then you com- and you continue to go against what was, was asked of you and kind of slap them in the face and uh, we'll see what ends up happening. It doesn't look like there's going to be any players that are going to be fined or, or suspended. I think it just looks like maybe some coaches and perhaps some executives will keep monitoring this story and uh, we'll let you know when the the punishments come out. But, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't really care and, and don't think it's a big deal, but if you know what's coming, if you just know as much as this is going to be a breaking ball of some sort, this is going to be off-speed, this is going to be... Uh, fastball. I mean, that's half the battle right there. Okay, let's uh, let's get into the uh, NFL divisional round. We had a really awesome wild card round last week, and the divisional round I just don't feel quite as confident about. What I do feel confident about is Sarah Candle Company. You heard a uh, CEO. Tyler Herringer on the last episode of That's What She Said podcast. And sarahcandles.com is the website. You can use the promo code GINO for 10% off of your entire purchase. Their goal is to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. A couple of reasons why Sarah Candles are the absolute best. They are all natural, soy wax free from toxins found in the paraffin wax, which is used by a lot of the other leading brands. The all natural soy wax actually can hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. 100% lead free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They are made in micro batches. They're hand poured to ensure the highest quality. 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. There are more than 25 different scents available now, three different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils, the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable prices, longer burning, none of those toxins or those carcinogens or pollutants that are present in paraffin wax. And like anything, especially when it's a flame you're going to be burning, you want to make sure to to keep an eye and you want to take good care of it. So they have instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and they've now blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. Through their research, they were able to discover the benefits of the all-natural soy wax. This is a perfect gift for someone. Maybe uh, maybe that someone is yourself. If, if you enjoy candles, go take a look. Uh, buy a couple. Type in that promo code G-I-N-O. It'll save you uh, a few bucks. 10% off your purchase. Sarah Candles Company. Visit sarahcandles.com. Four games this weekend. And to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, last weekend, end up going one and three. The Bills game was the run that was the, the one that was the most frustrating. That was the one that really, uh, really hurt us. Dead wrong in the Viking Saints game, and then if you back the Eagles, as soon as Wentz went down, we were we were in some trouble, and it just the the no skill players and no quarterback, or the lack of skill players and the the lack of a starting QB there, I think just really uh, 
uh, is what kill, killed the Eagles. I thought with Wentz, they still would have had a shot in that game. It was a close game, as Seattle loves to play close games. Now, I honestly, this weekend, we'll go through each of the games, but I really don't have a, a strong opinion as far as the uh, the lines on the sides of, of the teams are concerned. This is a weird weekend to me. I, I think, for the most part, we're going to see the chalk win. So what does that mean? It, it'll probably be all four underdogs again this weekend. But I just I think the lines are pretty close. There's nothing to me that jumps out. But we'll play a couple over-unders. Let's get to the games. In the first game we will have on Saturday, it's going to be the six-seeded Minnesota Vikings heading to play the number one-seeded San Francisco 49ers, who had an awesome year this year. They were 13-3 and straight up, 9-6-1 and against the spread. And... Uh, they come off a bye, and what's huge for the 49ers this weekend, it's kind of like the story of the game, is they're, they're getting healthy. They really could, were one of the teams that could really use the bye, as you saw, you know, a couple of banged up teams like Philly um, and Seattle, um, you know, the bye would have been nice for them, because uh, I'm sure they're coming off of a, a week, and now having to, to travel again, go on the road again, uh, Seattle would have, I'm sure, loved to be at home and uh, loved to not have play. So this is going to be a big ven- a ben- a benefit for San Francisco, as we also saw their opponent, Minnesota, have to go and play New Orleans. And now Minnesota is going to have to come to San Francisco. And it's the back-to-back road games, which makes it tough. Like, I actually like the way Minnesota matches up in here. It feels like they're too... I feel like at seven, it, it would be too many points. Like, if I had to lean to one side... I would probably take the points with Minnesota here in this game, but I think San Francisco probably wins. Um, last week, Cook had a season-high 28 uh, carries for 94 yards, a couple touchdowns, and Thielen saw more than eight targets for the first time this season and hauled in seven receptions. So we got to keep an eye on his health because uh, this week, it, this week, he is still not sure. We're still not sure what it's going to be like for Thielen. There's going to be some key injuries that you have to keep an eye on for Thielen and for uh, in the game we're going to be talking about later for Fuller so a couple huge wide receiver uh, big wide receiver injuries that could really impact games because Thielen was someone who you know really struggled early in that game for Minnesota and then obviously he made the big play and Cousins made the big play uh, late in that game and overtime to, to set up the win for them Cousins and the Vikings converted on 10 of 18 third downs. Uh, they were able to score touchdowns in three of their four trips to the red zone. And Minnesota defensively was really good. They shut down a team, New Orleans, that was rolling. They had scored 34 points um, in, I think, six of their last seven games. And they were you know, 4 of 11 on third down. Drew Brees did not look good. Minnesota will likely try to bring the pressure that they did against Brees and try to make... Garoppolo um, make throws under pressure. The key matchups we'll see with uh, the tight end with Kittle against the Minnesota defense. Now, when we go over to the other side with San Francisco, we talk about how good their defense was early in the season, and then they struggled a little bit late in the season. But I think you know you have to take those numbers with um, into context a little bit because they did get more banged up, and they did honestly just play better teams. So you're going to give up more points. You're. I do think that San Francisco is a battle-tested team, though. 
D. Ford, Quan Alexander could be a couple huge, huge pieces returning for them. And then for Kittle versus the Vikings secondary, uh, Vikings secondary, kind of middle of the line. They are going to have to focus on Kittle, though, who is basically, you know, the, the number one option for Jimmy G and the the option, you know, the, on third down or when they need to make a big play. I think he's uh, Kittle's accounted for like tw- about a quarter of their uh, their passing yards this season. Both of these teams want to run the ball. Uh, they both run the ball pretty well. And San Francisco has just been coached so well this year, all throughout the year. I thought Minnesota had a great game plan last week against New Orleans until they got a little complacent late, and just they got a little bit, you know, conservative. You... You can't be conservative like that in the playoffs anymore. In this day and age in football, you have to you have to be aggressive. It just seems like the the football gods reward you when you're a little bit aggressive and you, and, you, and you go for it. Sometimes you you don't make it, but they still end up rewarding you. So um, we'll see if the game plan is is similar for Minnesota this weekend. I don't I don't lean a aside in this game, but I think San Francisco wins the game. couple other notes. Let's see. Um, two of the NFL's most productive rush, rushing offenses based on yards, both in the top six. Um, number six seeds have lost eight consecutive games in the divisional round. They are 5-19 and 19 since 1990 in this round, and we'll see two number six seeds in the divisional round. Vikings have struggled against um, strong defensive fronts, and we definitely know that San Francisco has that. Yeah, I try not to force, you know, an opinion on games that I, I really don't have, and I think this game is just going to be a, a 49ers close win. The, the, you know, the upset wouldn't shock me, but that's why it's that's why I, I don't play, no play there. And game two on Saturday, it's going to be the Titans versus the Ravens, and so we're going to see two teams that again really, really want to run the ball. We're the number one rushing offense and the number three rushing offense as far as rushing yards are concerned with Baltimore and with Tennessee. Last week we saw Den- uh, Derrick Henry with 204 total yards and Tennessee going on the road and beating New England. Titans are 6-2 and two straight up and against the spread in their last eight games and they're now 6-3 uh, and three against the spread on the road this season. Baltimore with the, the bye... Should be fresh, well-rested. Looks like Mark Ingram is going to be playing and, and should be fine. He was a little banged up, injuring his calf. Tannehill, he really struggled overall in the New England game after a, a excellent, an excellent end of the season. As soon as he, he took over, he just completely changed his team. He was when he landed 72 yards passing, was 8 of 15 with an interception and two fumbles. And their leading receiver was backup tight end. A.J. Brown got shut down. He had a only one four-yard catch. And the Ravens' secondary is very good. New England's awfully is excellent. Ravens' secondary is, is really good against the pass, though, and, uh, and it's in particular late in the season. Their defense really started flying and, and moving around. So likely two teams that want to run the ball. Tennessee's defense is actually... Pretty solid against the 
the run. And we know what Baltimore wants to do through the air. They want to get the ball to, to Mark Andrews. They want to uh, mix it up with Lamar running, passing. This game is at 10 now in a lot of spots. And it's just another one of those games that I just I, – I, I mentioned in all four of these games, I just don't get that much of a feel. I can really see – you know, a ten a double digit. I could obviously see Tennessee covering this game. I could just see Baltimore blowing them out too. So um, I'm not going to take a side in this one either. But the games that I will play will be on Sunday. I'll have a small play in both of them, and it'll, they'll both be on the totals. And I'm going to play the under in both of these. Let's talk Texans Chief uh, Chiefs first. Houston. I- I like Houston better in this spot than I did last week. I played against Houston last week, and I feel like we had the right spot with the Bills. You're up 16-0. Um, you really just needed one more score somewhere in there, and Allen, we saw how bad he struggled late in the game. Remember, Houston did go to Kansas City and beat Kansas City earlier this year. I just feel like this is a completely different Kansas City team now, and their defense is playing so much better. Let's get to some uh, some of the stats here. Kansas City won six straight, and they got lucky with the Dolphins beating the Patriots. They were able to secure that by they are 11-5 and five this year against the spread, six straight covers, 4-1 and one against the spread at home in their past five games. This moved up after a few points. I think it was like seven early, and then it went all the way up to 10. Watson versus Mahomes. Like This is, I think, the only way you give Houston a, a shot in here because Watson has the ability to make some plays, Will Fuller. How healthy is he going to be? He seems to be on track to play this week. If he gives him an extra weapon, another chance to stretch the field a little bit, it's only positive. But if he comes back and he's you know only able to be in the game for a little while and he has to come back out of the game, that's, that's happened with Fuller a few times when he's returned from injury. We hear about Andy Reid off the bye. Andy Reid off the bye. The uh, Pick 6 podcast song with uh, Will Brinson and uh, and the guys over there. They do a great job. Andy Reid's team's 22-4 and four straight up, 17-9 and nine against the spread all-time after a regular season or postseason bye, and with the Chiefs 6-3 and three straight up, 5-4 and four against the spread. But the under has hit in 20 of the 26 games and in 7 of the 9 games since he joined the Chiefs. That's what I'm going to play in here. Um, I think you can get 51 and a half in some places and 51 even right now. And I'm going to go under, um, a lot of this is, is going to be a weather play, but it's, you know, the improved chiefs defense is a big factor too. They were able to just really improve the last couple months. Um, reading through some facts here from, uh, odd shark, they allowed 87 rush yards per game and ranked 6th the last 3 games of the season. The past defense ranked 8th against the past the season, uh, allowing just a 224 yards per game. Opposing defenses converted 50% of their red zone trips into touchdown against the Chiefs. That was the ninth lowest in the league. And in the past 3 games, that rate was down to 42%, 42.8%. And then uh, offensive converted 37% of their third downs against the Chiefs. That was 12th in the league. So some pretty good defensive metrics here. Um, Defense got better. And this game is supposed to be really cold. When you look at the weather forecast for Kansas City on Saturday, it is supposed to snow. 
and there's going to be a low of 11 degrees. And then on Sunday, it's going to have a high of 36 degrees, so it's not exactly going to be warming up the day after it snows. And I think the weather plays a factor in here. I think Kansas City's is better, and I think this is like a 30... 31 like 30 to 17 game and this this has creeped all the way up to 51 51 and a half in some places Chiefs gave up five yards per rush to quarterbacks this season which ranked 25th in the NFL this is on ESPN but Houston defensively is just not good and I think Mahomes will be able to pick them apart much much better than Allen did last week and Kansas City's run the ball um, a lot better as of late, too. So, I think Kansas City wins, but um, I will be playing the under in this one. Talk about boring, right? You want to be rooting for the points, but let's go under. And then the final game, it's Seattle versus Green Bay. Green Bay gets talked about for uh, a team that's 13-3. and uh, Like, they're awful. And, and by the metrics, they actually were, like, one of the worst... 13-3 and three teams of all time just because they don't really win sexy. It's amazing when you think of an Aaron Rodgers-led team, you think of a team that's probably going to be going up and down the field scoring. That is not this Green Bay team, but they get up, they get leads, they can run the ball. Uh, Rodgers can make a play or two. They are able to put some pressure on you with their defensive front, and that's what they're going to have to try to do here uh, again against a Seattle team that's a little banged up, but a Seattle team that is very susceptible to sacks. I believe they got sacked uh, the most in the league this year. Last week, and first of all, the total has gone under in the Packers' last four games with an average combined score of just a 36, a little over 36. Last week, Seahawks were penalized a ton, 11 penalties, 114 yards, and the Packers only averaging 21 points per game the, the last four weeks of the season. They're not blowing anybody out. Seattle is going to have to try to protect Russell Wilson by running the ball. And they don't really have the backs, the quality backs right now, but they're not going to be going up against a a defense that is very good against stopping the run. So they're going to have to mix it up a little bit. We saw like the breakout game from DK Metcalf last week where he had seven catches for 160 yards and a touchdown as a rookie record, most receiving yards in a playoff game. The, the Green Bay pass defense, they're like middle of the line, and they're, they're just bad against the run. Will Wilson run a little bit? It seems like he's more in, in like these do-or-die games, do-or-die situations, late in game. That's when you see him run a little bit more, and in a game like this, he might have to run because this is another game where the weather is going to be really, really poor. I am going to play the under in this game because the weather, it's going to be 20 degrees, 22, 21 degrees on Sunday. And I just don't think these teams are going to go up and down the field. So would not be shocked at all if Seattle won this game. But I think it's going to be Aaron Jones. Looks like Bulaga is going to be back on track. Um, Packers ran the ball more late and they're just going to continue to try to do that with with this weather that's how they've won this year and you know what they're a game away from 
being in the NFC Championship, and if Minnesota were to uh, to upset San Francisco, they'd be hosting it. So I don't expect Green Bay to like really flip the script and be airing it out here. We never really see Seattle do that. That's just not who they are, even when they don't have the personnel. So this year, we were 50-46 and 46 with our plays. Wasn't all against the spread. I think we had four or five like plus money lines on there. But last week, the one and three, that, that's what hurt us. No opinions on the side, just two opinions on the totals. We're going to go Kansas City, Houston, under 51.5. You can find that. And then Green Bay, Seattle, under 47. 23 degrees. Can, can these teams really air it out can Seattle run the ball if they can't it could get ugly for them offensively because then they could become predictable and that makes any team much easier to defend so even with Green Bay poor run defense if if Seattle can't establish the run with you know their fourth and fifth string running backs that they're bringing off that, that weren't a part of their team most of the year and weren't part of that successful run could be hard for them to score, especially in this kind of a weather. So under 47, under 51 in the two games on Sunday. Best of luck with your plays. We're going to get to some of your plays in just a second. Before we do, I'm going to mention one of the sponsors of That's What G Said, Cindy Carava. Stop what you're doing right now. Head on over to CindyCarava.com. She's a full-service realtor, and she can help you out in many ways if you need help with purchasing, leasing, selling, maybe you just want to do some home improvement, if you're looking for uh, some sort of vendors like a gardener or a landscaper or a painter, plenty that she can provide and that she has worked closely with. She can also connect you with lenders if you need some help with getting pre-approved for a home loan, covering the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. I've known her personally for over a decade she is one of the most honest and genuine people you will ever meet. She will take great care of you. Um, she has been a big supporter of That's What G Said podcast, and we're always very happy to let you know about Cindy Carava. So send her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. But if you check out the website, cindycarava.com, you can find all of the contact information there. Just a few plays in the uh, the world of horse racing this week. And they'll be at Santa Anita on Saturday, this weekend, I should say. They'll be uh, on Santa Anita Saturday, January 11th. Get your past performances out. They are going to be three races in a row, actually, towards the end of the card. Let's go to race number seven, and let's go to the number six. It's going to be five, uh, five and a half furlongs on the turf course. And we like the six. Don't unzip me. It's Philly debuted on December the 13th up at Golden Gate and was fourth that day. She was a step slow at the start. She actually recovered really well. She was three deep. She was close up, fourth, and then she was third at the top of the lane. She took the turn a little bit wide. She ended up running really well in spots. She flashed some ability, a little bit flat late. I think major improvement expected here. I like the fact that she comes down uh, takes a shot on the grass, don't unzip me. 
unzip me. Had a lot of success at Santa Anita down the hill. Don't unzip me. We'll make a win wager if we can get five to one on this one. And then let's go to race number eight, which is the stakes. It's the La Cunada. I like the six, Horologist. I think we'll play this one at three to one. Last out, just put a line through that race. Was wide, was in between horses, tried to take back, but was still wide and got caught in between and just never really had a shot. It was just a tough trip. And I think she wants to be more forwardly placed. She can sit a little bit. She's fresh now. She's coming off a, a little bit of a break with a couple months off. Let's give a look to the number six, Horologist. And then we'll go to race number nine. And we'll go to the number nine, Via Alpina. At anything around 5-1, to one, we'll make a win wager on this one. Throw this one into all of your exotics. She broke well in her debut, and she was squeezed back. She was outrun early. She was making up some ground in the stretch, but she went inside, and things got tight. She could have been closer, but the rival uh, just got a little bit better of a trip when things got tight for Vi- uh, Via Alpina down on the inside. Then in career start number 2, stretches out on the synthetic, Faced open, made in special weights, was really hustled for the lead, but ended up going wide into the turn. It was really not a fan of the way, of this ride because it was was wide, trying to flash speed, but it, it's tough when you have horses up on the inside pressing you a little bit. You want to try to get over. If you're going to gun and ask for speed, then you know cross over and, and get to the inside. There's a little bit more to her than what we've seen. And I'm going to give a look to the number nine via Alpina in race number nine. So just three plays there at Santa Anita. Uh, race number seven, the number six, don't unzip me. Five to one, we'll play. And race number eight, the number six, horologist. If we get three to one, we'll play on this one. And then race number nine, the number nine, via Alpina, we'll play that one at five to one. Let's close things out with some of your tweets and your Facebook posts. Okay, ask for your best bets for the weekend. doesn't matter what they are, any games, any sports, any races. Let's go through some of the Twitter best bets. It was Chris Sala, 11, who said Texans on the money line. Okay, go big or go home. Mark Rossini says Tennessee and the points. Packers for life says uh, 49ers team total under 27. Matt the Hooper, Ravens to cover easily. Nick, Mr. Guru, Nick, KC minus 9.5. Ryan Dickey says Ravens minus the points. Um, Eric Rocco says nobody like my bet Ravens Titans over 47. He thinks it's going to be a shootout. Uh, Jose Acevedo says Ravens minus the 10. Steve Calfee said if Will Fuller is active over 51, Chiefs Texans. Okay, we'll go our separate ways there. And uh, Andy Stan says two-team teaser, San Francisco 49ers and Chiefs to take it to the bank. John Baird, holy moly, says Seahawks Packers. Under 46 and a half. Yeah, I'm with you there, John. And look around. If we can get you know, 47 in some places now. So well, let's go uh, with the under there. And uh, Mikey, Mike Y says, uh, Chiefs 20-plus point win for Andy off the bye week in a revenge statement game. And then C. Carl Starnes, P- C.P. Starnes says, Texans plus nine and a half. So what I'm going to be doing, let's go over and read some of your Facebooks. We're going to do NBA Jam Rules. 
with these uh, posts. So if you give me a winner, then that's one. If you give me a second winner next week or on the next episode of That's What G Said Podcast when we go through, that'll be two. That means you're heating up. And then if you give a third consecutive winner, that'll be on fire. And that means you will get to come on, co-host a segment with me. We'll talk about your plays. You can give out a couple other plays. And we'll talk some sports for a few minutes here on That's What G Said. Over on Facebook, we were talking to uh, Michael Gagliano. Uh, he likes the Vikings and the points on Saturday. Stan Ware likes to play six or six and a half point teasers as uh, big bets and then some smaller bets straight up. Best teaser for the week, 49ers down to a half, and the Seahawks to 10.5 plus 10.5. Uh, we'll also bet the Seahawks plus four versus the Packers. Good luck, Stan. He also has a play, uh, Clemson plus 5.5 versus LSU. He says the line too high for this one because LSU played the weaker of the four teams. You know, Oklahoma in the playoff and predictably beat them by a wide margin. LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State all pretty close to the same level in his opinion, and 5.5 too much for a team that hasn't lost in two years. And then Mark is going to go the other way. Mark Montegura, he likes a few games this weekend, but the best bet, LSU, minus 5.5 over Clemson. They're a super team, mystified why the spread is so low. Joe Dowell says, bet the house on the Seahawks. Love them. They can play with the 49ers twice this season. They can take care of the Packers. Jeff Harold says, KC will easily cover the number against the Texans, guessing somewhere around 38-17 final. Good luck, Jeff. Peter Martini has a few plays for the weekend. Titans plus 9.5 or 10, whichever you can get. Thinks the Ravens prevail, but in his opinion, this is the worst possible matchup for the Ravens. If they make it past the Titans, I think they take care of the Chiefs, Texans relatively easily. Packers minus 5 against the Seahawks. As cool as that run by Lynch was last week, Seahawks didn't look good uh, all that great against uh, a completely depleted Eagles team. Rodgers has Aaron Jones this year, and I think Adams goes off completely for 150-plus on the Hawks D and some aqueduct plays early pick four on Saturday race two two three four five race three one three six race four singling the two race five three seven eight eighteen dollar cheap ticket but gonna play race three four heavy double one three with the two good luck Peter like the little right up there good information from Peter and Carol Curick likes Clemson and on uh and Saturday and the 10th race Gulfstream also on Saturday Carol good luck but didn't leave us uh, a who so let us know who in that 10th race but good luck with Clemson uh, Matt Zywitek North Dakota State man points in North Dakota State uh, come on okay uh, Justin Naranjo Chris Dickinson going over Alex Zane Saturday at GCW can't feel my face in Osbury Park New Jersey and live on Fight TV good, good luck Justin have fun watching on uh, on Fight TV. Some of you fans out there. Bill Bogosian, 49ers minus the 7. He said that extra week off is a big benefit. San Francisco will win that game easy. 34-13 defense will show up. Doug Dwyer, Saturday, Aqueduct, race number 7, likes the 10. Rodney Lawson, Mavs beat the Lakers Friday night. Luka, too much for ya. We'll see if Anthony Davis is going to play in that game. Uh, Porzingis won't be playing in that game. Rob Kasprizik, 49ers money line, Ravens money line, two-team parlay. Jeff Riggs says he kind of loves that money line parlay from Rob, and he likes the Texans plus 10 if you can find it for the simple fact that everyone and their mother 
is on KC. Sometimes you just got to go the opposite way, right? Jeff, thanks to everyone for chiming in, and we'll keep track. Make sure to keep track. If you gave it, if you give out a winner this week, then make sure to come back next time. Uh, we have a post for giving us uh, your winners, which we'll start to do this every single show now. Um, try to get you guys more involved and you know get the uh, get that interaction. That was always one big thing I loved when I was working on TVG is the back and forth with the emails, reading the tweets, reading the uh, the Facebook posts, and all the messages. So thanks for tuning in this episode of That's What G Said. Thanks to the sponsors, SarahCandles.com, CindyCarava.com. We'll be back next week. Actually heading to Dallas with uh, Stephanie. Little Milo is going to meet Grandpa and Uncle and some of Stephanie's friends over in Dallas. So we'll be in Dallas for a week. The next couple episodes I will record from over in Dallas. We'll have Jason Beam coming on. For next week, we're going to talk about the Beamy Awards, which will be next Friday night. So we'll give you all the good info for the Beamies, and we'll talk about Jason's year. And uh, we'll have a couple other guests set up for later in the week. Joey, buddy, take it away.